When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 72, the Frank Vetrano episode. UMass superstar, Frank the Tank Vetrano, who, by the way, has been killing it in Florida. Interesting. He was with the Bruins for a little while as a forward, and he didn't really pan out. I feel like that's happened before. That has sounds, happened after him. Sounds kind of familiar, Evan. Actually, no, might, be foreshadowing, it... might be foreshadowing something yeah, we talk about in this episode. I don't know. Anyways, that is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. You just got your third shot. I did. Your arm. Yes, and I, the reason- I'm, I'm triple boosted, so I, if I tail off uh, as this goes on, then <laughs> you have an excuse. Uh, this is obviously recording before the Bruins-Predators game, so uh, if you go on bostonsportsjournal.com, hopefully I have coherent musings as we discuss uh, <laughs> what happens afterwards in this game, where the Bruins are once again shorthanded, but so far... A little painful, but still, for the greater good, get boosted. And for the and for people who don't know, the reason you don't sound great is not because of the the booster. It is because that'd be that'd be extremely concerning if I felt like, yeah. if I felt like this like forty five minutes after shop, and now I'm also finding a little cold. So yeah, I'm not saying it's your flu game, but it's your flu it, game. it feels like it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. when We get to the third period of this game tonight. Yeah, I remember when I got my initial vaccine back in April now. Uh and there was a Bruins game that night and by the third period I was like, whoa, ho, this is this is I don't feel so good. Uh but worked out well. It's worked for me thus far, so I can't complain. Um anyways, enough vaccination talk. Uh there are bigger things to get to. There were a lot of things this week. This was as action packed a week as I think we've had in the regular season in a while. And I think it's only gonna get crazier because Jake DeBrusque has to get traded at some point. Tukarask has to get re-signed or will get, and we'll get to that later. Uh, there's a lot of things that are coming down the horizon. We'll start with the brusque because that, that is the biggest one. It's funny. Like normally we'd be like, you know, Oh, sorry about not being able to do it after the predators game or whatnot. But I don't even know if we're going to be talking about the game. Like this is more bigger picture stuff uh, in this episode. So the Jake DeBrusque thing has been an interesting uh, development. There's been a lot to it this week uh, from uh, the request to fans booing him to uh, some Twitter spats. Uh, there's been a lot going on with this, um, which basically hits at the biggest point. There needs to be a resolution done, also known as a trade needs to happen within the next couple days. But unfortunately, the Bruins are shorthanded with injury and Marchand suspension. So this needs to happen quick. It's <laughs> happening yeah. really quick. Yeah, no. I mean, you, you look at it in the ideal scenario, obviously – without factoring the roster, which is pretty much stuck where it is right now, right? You can't call up anyone from Providence because there's a full-blown COVID outbreak down there. You're kind of stuck in this situation where you're you're stuck playing DeBrusque, who doesn't want to be here. And even though, like, you know, 
Don Sweeney talked on on Tuesday, like brought up the silver lining. Well, if he's in the lineup and playing, it'll elevate his value. It's like, well, I don't know. Like you watch that game on on Tuesday, it didn't inspire much confidence, and whether it be <clears throat> his own play kind of being underwhelming, or you're looking at you know getting booed by the fans, it just it's just a crappy situation all around for for everyone at this point. So I don't know how much more it's going to help you out, other than the fact that you just need a body in the lineup to have DeBrusque in there. Cause I don't know if he's going <clears> to, <throat> unless he's going to, you know, score a hat trick in this game against Nashville tonight, which very well could happen. Who knows? But all things considered, you don't expect him to all of a sudden elevate his stock, his stock right now where you're going from, all right, we're trading him for Mason Appleton. All of a sudden it's a one for one trade for Brock Besser, right? Like I don't think anything <laughs> is going to drastically change within the next couple of days. It's going to alter that. So I think for the Bruins, whether it's, the distraction of it, which, you know, I don't know if the players themselves are, are harping on that now, the distraction of it, but whether it's, you know, media or, or what have you, it's going to keep on getting talked about till he's moved. Whether it's, you know, the awkward situation of having him in the lineup where, you know, he's he's going to play, but still, like, you also don't want to, like, go out there and get hurt, you know, and, and risk getting injured there in that situation to the fact that, I mean, if he's playing on Saturday night against the Lightning, he's probably still going to get a fair share of booze still. So, and you can debate what have you, whether or not that's, that's, you know, the, the best route to take for a fan, for a guy who just honestly seems like he needs a, a fresh start somewhere else. And I think both parties would benefit from it, but whichever way you kind of slice it, uh, you know, they have to get the wheels turning and get a, a trade set up pretty soon because this can't be carrying into, you know, later this month, next, you know, next month, what, ha- <clears throat> what have you, because it's going to be just continuing to take the headlines and it just makes for an uncomfortable situation all around. Yeah. And again, I mean, think about like for you listeners, you know, you have a job and you want to leave and you, you know, you say, Hey, I'm looking for other jobs. You don't want to be looking for other jobs for like five months. You know, yes. you want to just like get out. You're like, I'm done with this. And I feel like that's kind of debrusque. I also do feel bad from the sense that this the agent coming out and saying this now. I I would guess he consulted DeBrusque before. Like I didn't. I don't think he just like came out and said it. You know, like Alan Walsh's meme of uh, yes. the, the sword through Flurry's yes. back. I just um, I just imagine Flurry like checking his phone, seeing that like oh, shit. Oh, damn it. Um, but I do feel bad in that sense where it's like I I feel like you know I don't know if that was the smartest move. I get from his perspective of like you want to get a trade done soon, and that does get a trade done soon because now every team knows. Um, but from a, from a Bruin standpoint, I think leaking that definitely did not help things at all. And I also think from Jake DeBrusque's standpoint, it doesn't help because you did it at a time when there, there's no, like, you can't call up Providence forwards and have them slot in. You know, you can't sit DeBrusque until he's traded. Like you gotta play him. And I think that's a really weird dynamic, as you said, like getting booed at, at home, which I, I, you know, again, I don't know if that's the right move by fans. I don't think it is. Um, but just a, a weird situation, really weird situation. Ever since the Oreos piece came out, Connor, it's been just, it's downhill. Come on. I know, um, I'm dropping the ball. The, the Oreo curse. But um, it, it kind of it leads to the obvious question of what will he get in return? That's kind of what everyone's debating. And every, everyone has a different answer because it's so hard to tell, right? On the one hand, this is a forward with potential. He's speedy. You know, he had 27 goals a few years ago. He's got a you know, high ceiling good kid, like usually pretty good attitude, but on the downside and the downsides outweigh the positives and getting a big return for him. The downside is he's been struggling for a year and a half now, almost two years. Um, effort has been issue has been an issue at times. 
Uh, now you also have the, the agent coming out saying that he's requested a trade. So no team is going to come with their best uh, offer for that. So what is a reasonable trade look like in this situation to you? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I think our immediate reaction when the news first broke on Monday was like, all right, it's going to be an underwhelming return, especially if, let's say, it's a one-for-one deal because, you know, as much as I think Darren Dreger, I think, reported on Tuesday, like, oh, there's 12 teams involved and everyone's interested in them. Like, yeah, no shit. It's like a guy who almost scored 30 goals at 22 who, like, I think most people are interested because it's like, all right, yeah, we have him in a new situation, new surroundings, clean slate. He's probably going to bounce back. And maybe he's not a 30-goal scorer, but he could be a very effective middle six, 15, 20-goal guy in our lineup. So, of course, teams are interested in him. But I think when you look at just the baseline production, which has dropped significantly, you look at the fact that I think he's counting, what, about $4 million in true salary this year. Um He's going to be an RFA next year, but I think he's got a qualifying offer for four and a half million. So if you're a team that, that trades for him, it's like, all right, do we pay him even more against the cap to keep him for another year? Or are we going to not qualify him and have him hit free agency? So you look at that. And when our first reaction, I think was a lot of, all right, they're going to get an underwhelming return, whether that's, uh, you know, Ryan Strom or like, even like uh, Kravtsov over in New York, like another fellow, uh, you know, I don't want to say project, but a guy who needs a new fresh start somewhere could be good. Uh, not like a, a set guy that's going to instantly, you know, turn the fortunes of your team. Uh, so looking at a guy like that, or even like draft capital, which I wouldn't surprise me in terms of they just want to get that contract off the books and, and, you know, get some more draft pick and compensation. But we'll see kind of what they, they focus on in terms of what you're going to give up because, you know, even though his, his value has dropped a little bit. He's still a valuable asset to brusque, right? Like where he's a, a legit guy that in the right situation could, could do very well. And I think the Bruins are cognizant of that. So they're not going to let him go for, for nothing. So whether that's you're looking at more of like package deals, like that wouldn't surprise me if it's like, all right, we're not trading him in the vacuum of, we just have to just move this one individual player. But if you're putting him in a larger package where it's, I don't know, him, a first in like Stadnika, does that get you something more significant? Right. Like, and we can, we can debate whether or not they should be keep on moving, you know, sacrificing draft capital. But if DeBrusque is one piece of a bigger puzzle that gets you a, I'm mean, take your pick, right. Hurdle, JT Miller, something like that, which it would significantly help your team both right now. And in the years going forward, where you get a legit center. Maybe that's kind of the, the angle they take. But again, it's tough to, you know, find the right fit and, and what you want to do when also the fact that your roster is pretty much, you know, stuck in neutral right now, you can't make much moves, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at maybe some more of the bigger picture moves as opposed to, you know, a Mason Appleton or like a Lawson Krause or something like that. It's an early deadline type move, right? Like it's, you know, you're kind of getting a head start on the deadline. And I agree with you. I I don't, if, if they trade him one for one, I don't think you're getting much. Like I, I have no need for Mason Appleton or Lawson Krause or one of these guys who's, as you said, Ryan Strom, like a, a project type guy. Um, and maybe they could find their game here, but what, what, what reason would you think they would find their game here? How many forwards have left here who didn't find their game here, right? Heinen, DeBrusk, Donato, Bjork. Petrano. Uh, um, I'm definitely missing people. I mean, you, you guys, even before casting JFK and Spooner, like all these guys, they have trouble with these fringe top six <clears throat> forwards and making them into something. So what reason would you have to believe that Mason Appleton comes here and becomes a, 
a, a second line winger or a, a steady third line presence. So to me, it's the package move. And I think if the only way I like the deal, if it's one for one, realistically, is if it's for a right shot defenseman, because you need some depth on that right side on D. So if you can get a right shot defenseman for DeBrusque straight up, I don't hate that. Like I, I'm fine with that. Depends obviously who the right shot defenseman is. And that's kind of the thing. Who is it going to be? They're not just trading defensemen around the NHL. So yeah, I mean, the package move, you know, if you did, you know, DeBrusque a second and maybe a prospect for Miller or Brock Besser. I mean, Besser's kind of been trade rumors forever around him, um, but he was pretty consistent for a few years. So maybe he's a guy you get. I wouldn't hate that. Um, and that, that makes you better. Cause again, this team isn't scoring at all. Like, isn't yeah, scoring. You, you desperately, <laughs> I mean, you desperately need another like top six weapon. And again, especially for whether it's a guy like JT Miller or Tomas Hurdle, I think you've seen now, uh, what you desperately need in terms of having more strength down the middle. Just not only the domino effect of, um, having another guy that maybe can draw more play out of Taylor Hall. Cause I think you saw in that game on Tuesday, granted, Bruins didn't score a five on five goal, but Taylor Hall with, uh, Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak. Look pretty good. Again, most guys look pretty good when you're with those two other guys, but you put him with, you know, elite level talent. I think it draws the best out of Taylor Hall's game. Now is JT Miller like an elite talent. He's pretty damn good. Like same with Tomas Hurdle. There's still legit proven, you know, top line centers on a lot of other teams. So, um, cost might be a lot, but if it one gets you a spot where you've got a legit, you know, guy down the middle that you can build moving forward. I know JT Miller's 28. I think Tomas Hurdle is 27, so not just within the vacuum of this year, but over the next couple of years. Um, and also you, you benefit from Charlie Coyle getting slotted down to 3C, which, again, I don't think Charlie Coyle has been particularly bad this year. I think he's been pretty solid, but in terms of maximizing his value, you would rather him be at the 3C than the 2C, right? So uh, if that's the route they take, it would make a lot of sense in terms of you've got this asset that even though he might be a bit of a sunk cost in terms of his production dropping into Brusque, he's still a valuable piece. So if you can add other sweetness to it, whether it's more draft capital or prospects, perhaps you can get something there. I mean, there's a lot of desperate teams out there already. And Jim Benning somehow is still running things in Vancouver and he doesn't have the best track record. So if I was runs, I'd probably give them a call. Just check in. I mean, the tough part is DeBrusque was scratched against Jim Benning's team. Yes. And again, great. like you mentioned, you mentioned Stanika. That's another guy who said his lowest dra- trade value. I mean, I've said this all year, like he needs to be at a higher trade value for when he gets traded and he's, he will not be if he's included in this deal. Now, again, there's been no real reports about Stanika being involved, but if they were to do a package deal, that would make sense, right? Stanika kind of needs a fresh start. DeBrusque needs a fresh start and a pick. And oh, there you go. There you go for Brock Besser or Tomas Hurdle. Uh, with Hurdle, I think it'd probably be more of like a first, but it wouldn't be the worst. I mean, maybe this pushes the Bruins to be more active early. It's a good bet, right? That they'll be more active early with with what they're doing. That wouldn't be the worst thing. Get a head start on everybody else. And how people can also get a head start on everybody else when it comes to betting. Go visit our good friends over at Bet Online. Connor, tell the, the good people about Bet Online. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, people. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to match the playoffs and hockey and basketball seasons are in full swing. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. That's CLNS50. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC fights, 
right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Stats. 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 Um, anyways, so that is that. And speaking of great bets, though, Tukarask is basically Boston Bruin. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like, I, it's not even, I don't even think this is going to surprise d- me. During like is. the, during like the Tuesday, uh, you know, news dump of the entire day, like if like Tuka just walked into the, the media, uh, the conference room, it would not have surprised me at all. Like if he just walked in, he's like, I'm back. He has those little, still, he has a little faxed uh, paper that Michael Jordan sent when he came back to the Bulls. Or when Manny Ramirez went to the Dodgers and he did that press conference, he was like, I'm back. Yes. Was, yeah, it's all the least surprising noise. thing. Yes. Um, I think the big, I, I tweeted this. I think the biggest news of the week for the Bruins was that kid hanging from the glass. That was, uh, incredible. <laughs> it's just, True Boston that, Bruins fan moment there. Like, yes, that, that absolutely shows it. Poshnok throws a puck over the glass. First of all, how about the fact that the kid's up there? Right, like yes. the kid is hanging from the glass in the first place. The dad's got him up there, and then the puck comes over. Obviously, the kid's not catching it, and the dad just kind of abandons the son, hanging it on the glass. You know, just just hanging on for dear life. Um, but that's that's an all time moment. I'm glad Nesson caught that. Yes, thank you. Like that is that is great. Also, glad the kid's okay. That's glad the kid hung on. You know, also he didn't just go, oh, yeah. the puck, and he yes. says, let's go. <laughs> also important. <laughs> also very important. But Tuka Rask is pretty much back. Uh, Sweeney almost confirmed it, saying that, you know, if Rask is feeling good and wants to sign, that they will sign him. Rask has said before that he <laughs> wants to come back and only plays for the Bruins. So, like, I think the real question is what the money's going to be. That's, I think, the only real question. And obviously, then what happens to Omar and Swayman? Yeah, uh, it's going to be very complicated to see how they kind of settle out that uh, rotation. But in terms of do you need him? Uh, yes. Yes, you absolutely do need them right now. And it's one of those things where you look at the flaws of this Bruins team and, of course, secondary scoring. It's been an issue for a long time. You thought you solved it when David Krejci and Taylor Hall were on a line together, which helped out quite a bit. Now you're kind of back at score one there. But you look at another flaw of this team, it's got to be the fact that their goaltendings have been league average. average. Yeah, it's league average. average. Just- not, yeah, not to say it's outright bad, but you look at so many of these – when you're a team that doesn't score a lot of goals, you're in a lot of these one goal games. Sometimes it's just a timely save or two that it's a difference between two points or zero points in the standings, right? So whether it be like, uh, you know, the, the third period against the Oilers or, you know, a few of these other games where it got away from them, like say what you will about Tuka Rask, but I think if you have him healthy and net to start the year, you go from 11 and eight to, you know, what, 13 and six, maybe? And that feels yeah. a lot better, right? It looks a lot better than 11 and eight, right? Um, so I think from the Bruins, it's going to be key to get him back. It's important to, um, see if he's up to, up to speed and healthy, which you always are concerned about that with these hip injuries. Granted, same thing that Tim Thomas went through right before the 2010 11 season, which is a pretty good year for him. So Solid. who knows there? We'll see. Um, but I, I think for, the Bruins, yeah, it's a no-brainer in terms of bringing him aboard, which it's it's funny because you look at, like, the, the underlying stats of the defense, and it, it goes to show, I think, sometimes it, it's tough to read through some of them because the Bruins are, like, first in the league in expected goals against. Like, they're really not giving up a lot of high-quality chances. It's just, unfortunately, when they do, it's really evident to see. It's, like, usually, like, an odd man rush or a full-on breakdown that makes it really evident. But all things considered, like, the defense is 
doing its part in terms of negating those chances. You're just not getting the the stop you need as the last line of defense, which I think Tuka will help quite a bit. So it's absolutely going to help you out. But as you said, it's how do you then balance it out? Because right now you're looking at most likely the the easiest scenario there is Swayman goes down to Providence, gets regular reps, and then you've got Rask and Omark, which again, then you're kind of stuck in that awkward situation of you got a guy who's making five million as your backup who, you know, it's one thing if it's Yaroslav Halak, but Omark hasn't really put together those strong performances yet that, you know, inspire you to have this kind of backup guy there. So again, we've talked about how the Bruins approach this off season in terms of their goaltending and why, they, you know, didn't want to do a Swayman Vladar pairing, uh, a tandem, because that would be way too risky, asking way too much of these rookies. But um, their efforts to, you know, kind of play it safe and cover all their bases by signing a guy, signing a guy like Allmark, uh, it's kind of not blown up in their face, but it's not gone according to plan, right? In terms of now you've got two guys playing league average hockey, and now you have Rass coming in to more or less try to bail you out. Now you've got to kind of pick up the pieces and put them where they may. They haven't stolen a game yet. Like yeah. That's, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I have not looked at a game they've won yet and been like, that's because of the goaltending. Yeah. That is because their goaltending won them that game. There has not been that game yet. And again, I mean, just like the other night, you know, they're struggling to score goals. Olmark lets in, what, two goals on 16 shots? Not great. Yeah. Not great. So, um, yeah, no, they need Rask back. I think that's pretty undisputable. And I think he will be back. It just comes down to what the money will be. I mean... I maybe it would be veterans minimum like that might be it, but I'd have to think it would be a little more considering he's probably going to be your starter. Yeah, so I don't know why. You I, would I would imagine it'd that. be something prorated, but also like I mean, Rask has said before in WEI, he's like, yeah, I'll be a cheap goalie. Uh, you know, I'll willing to play for cheap doesn't matter to me. But like also like, all right, does that mean you're signing a vet minimum or are you signing like two million dollars or something like that? Right? Like I, I still think he's going to be below what he was paid before, but um. I think if you have to look at Rask and be realistic in terms of the leverage you now have of like, oh, like you guys need me? All right. Like, I don't think he's going to, you know, put them over the coals, the Bruins, but still, I think he's due more than just like a, a vet minimum deal. So how that impacts how you're juggling the cap, or maybe that's why Dabrowski is more of a cap dumping move. Like you have to factor those things in there because as much as I think we'd like for the Bruins in terms of just, you know, cap management to have him signed to a cheap deal with Rask. Uh, do deserves a little, little bit more green coming his way. Cause I mean, he's still barring, you know, uh, severe rust from coming off that, that surgery. Still a really good goalie. Very good goalie. He's also coming back at a weird time, uh, or could be because the Bruins are going through not hell right now. Not yet. The Providence Bruins are going through hell with COVID. Yes. Uh, but the Bruins are, I mean, Bruce Cassidy's in COVID protocols. We record this. Uh, they just played Tyler Bertuzzi who is unvaxxed and was playing against them. And had COVID and was up in their face for most of the game. Like the entire game. Um, the dude literally plays like every friggin' shift for that team. He is so good, by the way. Like, yes. He is effective. He is yes. very effective. He's pain in the ass. Um, yes. Like pain in the ass type player. Uh, but you got that. So you, you have these instances with COVID and they don't, they can't call anybody up. Weird situation. Not a good situation either because what do you do? Yeah. No, it's, it's rough. And even like, if it was an ideal situation, which you're not in anyway, with the fact that you've got DeBrus, you know, requesting a trade, but let's say you had the ability to bring up guys from Providence. Hey, maybe now is the chance to see how a guy like Steen or Jesper Froden or one of these other guys could do in the short term in terms of giving them some reps as you sit DeBrus and protect your asset as you look for a trade. 
don't have that right now, right? And like, I mean, God forbid on Wednesday Bergeron had the day off because I think he blocked a a shot with his foot during Tuesday's game against Detroit and he missed practice. Like if Bergeron's out, it's already terrible news in terms of you just don't have your top line center. But like, is Connor Clifton going to be like a forward? Like what? You know what? What do you what are you going to do? Right? Like you don't really have any wiggle room at all to to tinker with your roster. So like you know if other guys get hurt now, you have to imagine going into Saturday's game against uh, Tampa, the fact that Providence has canceled their games this weekend, probably don't have the luxury of getting guys from that roster this weekend as well. So, you know, God forbid someone blocks a shot and is dinged up or hurt during this game against Nashville. What do you do next game, right? Like if you got like one or two other guys on the shelf and you go into a game against Tampa, which granted dirty without Brad Marchand and you're missing more guys and you can't plug in place guys like a Stadnicker or a Steen, what have you. Uh, you're pretty much up the creek, right? Like it's not not great for what, what the situation is right now. And thankfully, so far at least, the Bruins seem to have avoided COVID outbreaks on the NHL roster, which you're always concerned about when Cassidy tests positive, and, and you're worried about that. But um, it shows you though just the domino effect of even if your you know farm system is dealing with it, it really limits what you can do up at the NHL level. Yeah, no, this is it's not good. I mean, even Chris Kelly is in COVID mm-hmm. protocol, right? So he can't even, they can't even call him in. They can't even have him dressed as a fourth line center. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So hopefully that ends up being okay within the next week and they kind of dodge that bullet. Um, but Brad Marchand, suspension, three games. We both obviously think it was too much. Wasn't the right thing. Um, but what's unfortunate is now that past kind of comes back into play. You know, he's the Brad Marchand of old and, you know, look at Brad Marchand. He's up to his dirty tricks again. Um, how hard is it going to be for him to sort of get past this? Uh, I mean, I think it's, it's going to stay with him for his entire career. I mean, you look at just the way he's played over the last couple of seasons and the fact that he's had a pretty much a clean rap sheet in terms of what he's done and he's elevated his game to go beyond what he's previously known for and, you know, establish himself as perhaps like the best top left wing in the game. And, you know, when it's something like this happens and all of a sudden it's back to square one, right? Where you talk about all this stuff. And then he talks about the Panarin incident and everyone's outraged about that again. Like it's all these things that I think it just shows that all it takes is one kind of incident and one kind of avenue to look back on his past ledger that brings it all back. So uh, it's, it's a tough situation for him. Granted, I think he's cognizant of the fact that a lot of it's of his own doing. Like, you've got to look at what he did in the past. But I think for a guy like him who I think as he gets older has become very aware of, you know, his legacy and how he wants to be remembered. And he would much rather be remembered for being a guy who, uh, you know, elevated his game into being a, a top uh, wing in today's game, um, a guy who's played with an edge but, you know, doesn't want to be remembered as being the guy who just used – Daniel Sedin's face is a speed bag, right? Like that's what, <laughs> that's what guys that like Sully's tap will like talk about as the first thing in Marchand. But I think he'd much rather be known for establishing himself as a, a top offensive threat, as a leader in the Bruins room, all those things. I think that means a lot to him. So I'm sure for him, it's deflating at times when all it takes is one kind of slip up or what have you that brings this narrative back. But unfortunately it's kind of the narrative he kind of carved out for himself in years past. And well, I'm sure, you know, these guys want to, move on and put that in the rearview mirror when you've got, you know, kind of the the reputation that Martian kind of cultivated for himself during those early years. Unfortunately, it's going to follow you even when you're, you know, 34 and at like this stage of your career, it's still going to stick with you. 
the bad boy image. You're right, though. I yes. mean, like, again, it was his doing when he was younger. Like, it's not going to just go away. Um, I mean, he's done a lot to change that, for sure. But, like, we've said this a lot. You know, fans are on the National Hockey League. Players are on the National Hockey League. If they're not your team, right, if you're not the fan of that team or you're not on that team, it takes, like, a few years for the narrative to change, even after it's actually changed, right? Like, for so many years, players would say, Carey Price was the best goalie in the NHL. And this was, well, Vasilevsky was nasty and other goalies had surpassed him. So it takes time to change things. Uh, and now this has kind of come back. So not great for Marsham. But uh, anyways, anyways, that is Poke the Bear episode 72. Connor, before we go, what can the people go look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, we'll be looking at obviously breaking down this game against Nashville on Thursday, looking at the uh, tough situation facing the Bruins in terms of their roster situation, looking at potential uh, trade partners for the Bruins with Jake DeBrusque, guys they could get back. So all that stuff will be over at BSJ. So subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go to all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day. (laughs) 